Hello and welcome to Win Stupid Prizes, the show where we ask the questions that nobody thought were worth asking. I'm Eddie and I'm joined today by my three unpaid interns and they are Jamie. I thought you were giving us money for this afterwards. Bear. The name's Bear. And our judge this week is Alex. You'll be speaking to my lawyer. (laughs) Before we get into the legal proceedings, what question do you have for us this time? Hello, I represent the estate of Ian Fleming, and I have come to you today to ask your expert opinion on a pressing question that I'm sure that you'll all be aware of. So in the news, you might know that Daniel Craig is unfortunately not going to be James Bond for long. The mechanisms around that, secret, contract law, we can't tell you exactly what's going to happen. <laughs> but we do need a new James Bond. So my question to you is very simple. Who should be the next James Bond? Interesting that you've broken the cardinal rule of win stupid prizes here by asking a question that a lot of people do think is worth asking. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it is a question worth asking, but a lot of people are asking it right now. <laughs> people can be wrong. The fact that it's on the show means it's not worth asking. The fact it's on the show makes it a stupid question. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So at the end of this episode, we'll have solved it for all of media and they can stop talking about it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, in that case, let me pitch to you the perfect man, or should I say android i'm not quite sure what the deal is and that is inspector gadget a man could be an android Uh, a mandroid if you will (laughs) (laughs) inspector gadget obviously in his name the first thing that he solves with james bond is having gadgets we'll save money on not needing to hire a q because he's got all the gadgets built into him yeah i think the problem with bond is that there was too much budget (laughs) (laughs) yeah also it's boring finding out who the new q is yeah it's just wasted plot time isn't it they peaked with desmond llewellyn and and therefore, rolling the role of Q and Bond into the same character means that you're not really comparing back to Desmond here. Then you can still have the gadgets. Yeah, precisely. Yeah, Inspector Gadget is full of gadgets, except aren't the gadgets always just like an item on a spring? Um, a lot of them are, but not all of them. <laughs> <laughs> He's got helicopter come out of his head. <laughs> handcuffs i think are a gadget he has yeah on a spring (laughs) like it's not cool laser watch it's punch boxing glove out of the chest (laughs) i did read recently if he does his go-go gadget arms they launch out and like grab a crim or whatever but he has to manually crank them back in oh that's good yeah yeah yeah. and go-go gadget gun because he's a secret agent now it's just instead of holding a gun and aiming it just comes out on a spring and flails around and fires randomly (laughs) grab it on top of his head and point in the right direction (laughs) We're doing the modern day gritty Bond where he has to like bare knuckle box an opponent in close quarters and try and shoot them at the last second by like reaching for the gun. But it's this cartoon guy with extendable arms. (laughs) Just built into his body in various places. Yeah. (laughs) I've got a slight problem with this. We do really, really love our product placement. Uh... And one of the things that Q can do quite well is give James Bond a really nice car that has been paid for by our friends at Aston Martin or Lamborghini or whatever other car manufacturer we're trying to pursue today. Yeah, you're right. How can Inspector Gadget do this? So I think the way that we do the product placement is not give Inspector Gadget the car because obviously he's got Go-Go Gadget boots and doesn't need a car. (laughs) Yeah, of course. Couldn't you have like Go-Go Gadget Aston Martin and he just like shoots a car out of his chest that is definitely an option (laughs) (laughs) could you use the entire name of the product go go aston martin db9 2020 edition go go gadget aston martin db9 2020 edition go go gadget casio go go gadget rolex (laughs) because watches are one of the big ones right oh yeah laser watches all the time go go gadget Coca-Cola dispenser. Here, you're refreshed. <laughs> Inspector Gadget could just wear all of these brands because he loves them. He's just like, hey, I love my Rolex. Meanwhile, go-go gadget, gun. <laughs> he just insists, like, if I'm going to do this job, if I'm providing all the gadgets, you have to buy me nice product. <laughs> the other option is that Inspector Gadget does have a sidekick most of the time, and so the sidekick can't just go-go gadget their way around, so we just give the sidekick the car instead. Isn't his sidekick a gadget? Dog. Is it like his niece? Uh, it depends, doesn't it? Sometimes it's a little girl, sometimes it's a dog, sometimes it's the chief of police. I think he's got multiple. They could be one and the same as well. <laughs> this chief of police dog is a little girl. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, my word. <laughs> Inspector Gadget is basically Mega Man. 
What? He doesn't absorb powers from other people, right? No. Can he actually? Maybe that's how he gets so many. Yeah, he's already absorbed them all. Whenever he sees a cool gadget, he defeats them in combat and absorbs the new gadget. So the villain is like, oh yes, I'm going to launch nukes at the capital of the US <laughs> if you don't give me X amount of dollars. Okay, I beat you up. Now I've got a nuke. And then Inspector Gadget defeats X amount of dollars in combat and gives them to the guy. Mega Man's powers were built for that line of robots, so he doesn't doesn't like absorb powers he just takes the chips and plugs them into himself uh, okay they're not a line of robots he's different he's half man half mega half man yeah <laughs> anyway so i think gadget might just be the completed form of mega man oh because he's got the dog he's got the saw blade he's got all the powers he's ready to enter dr wily's castle and <laughs> defeat the pac-man thing of course the other option is that he has to defeat daniel craig in combat in order to assume the role of james bond well that has to happen for all of them i think there's a whole <laughs> film in that we're not meant to know about that part of the contract I don't think Our spoilers for the post credit scene of No Time to Die I guess <laughs> I haven't seen it I don't know it could be yeah I haven't seen it either which means we're very good experts for this show but like Bond's sitting in a bar at the end of the story someone like walks into shot as a silhouette at the door of the bar and he turns around like oh no it's you and you just hear Go Go Gadget and it cuts to the last <laughs> of the credits <laughs> gotta be go go gadget gun sure yeah <laughs> the whole thing of no time to die is just daniel craig is supposed to be being retired you know the previous bond has to die so we can bring in the new one yeah but he's just so busy that he will never <laughs> make an appointment to actually die and be replaced so the characters are all trying to just find a way to slot that into his schedule i love how you just canonize that the james bond has to be dead to be succeeded by the next one <laughs> The other advantage of Inspector Gadget is that he is an inspector, which makes him very good at the spy side of things, the figuring out crimes oh, and the plots. Yeah, he just shows up and is like, I'm here to audit your villain lair. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we did already have a film called Spectre, so now we just add an in to it. Oh my word, that's so good. Wait, are you saying that Mr. Gadget was in Spectre? Nice. Maybe in the background. <laughs> it's just like, where's Wally in all the Bond films? Inspector Gadget was in the background all along. <laughs> now, I do have one question. So, Inspector Gadget has a well-known catchphrase, as you say. I, I just need to know, does he own that and therefore can bring it with him? Or is that owned by the people in the show he's been in in the past and is famous for? That's a documentary. I mean, given that it's a necessary code phrase to activate most of his gadgets I assume that he owns it otherwise he's in a lot of trouble <laughs> so the first movie is him breaking into whatever Cartoon Network it's not Cartoon Network but yeah it has the trademark on it to steal the deeds get them out back to MI6 so he can start acting as an agent again oh it's not the deeds it's accessing the password vault where go go gadget something is written on a piece of paper and he needs to go and get that to remember the phrase because they wipe his memory after every episode <laughs> <laughs> like sellotapes to his hand and every time he's like ah quick looks at hand go go gadget relevant gadget go go gadget password store <laughs> him forgetting the password for each of the different ones would explain why he just seems to like not always access things that we know he's got access to yeah in like one episode he'll use something that's useful and the next episode it will be useful again and he'll do something else we know he's got go go gadget gun why isn't he using that every time yeah no 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 I know what's happened oh yeah Inspector Gadget is a Pokemon. He can only have four moves at once. <laughs> I mean, that or he's got mana and he has to take a rest every episode to replenish his mana. Or prepare spells, yeah. Yeah, pick your relevant gaming franchise of choice here. But that's why he can only say Go Go Gadget. He's actually named Go Go Gadget and he has to shout that all the time. That is pretty funny. I do have one question about Inspector Gadget, though. Isn't he famously incompetent and bad at everything he does? So just like James Bond, yeah. <laughs> it's the little girl that normally solves the issue, right? In the cartoon. Penny. The, the little girl is often the one who's smart and figures it out. Like, Gadget's got the tech. <laughs> You're right. That's very funny, him being an inspector, and he relies on that little girl. So woman crimes. Yeah, so Penny is the actual Bond, and Inspector Gadget is the gadget that she receives. Oh my gosh. Miss Money Penny. Oh, no. oh my word. I think I've absolutely nailed it. Like Episode over. <laughs> There's so many parallels. I might have started too strong. I'm so sorry. I'm expecting very strong pitches. Gentlemen, I have someone who I think that actually might be quite good at this role. And that is the spy from TF2. Oh. He is incredibly qualified. Incredibly qualified. He is credibly qualified. <laughs> I mean, look at his skill set, okay? He stab, <laughs> he shoot, he wear nice boot. Those are the three qualifications for James Bond. <laughs> Ha ha ha!
<laughs> he can fit like 40 cigarettes in his mouth. Yeah, he can fit a lot of cigarettes in his mouth. You're right, I'm sorry, the four qualifications of James He's Bond. great at seduction to the point where he can teach about seduction, but it comes from a place of love. It's not just for the sake of it. Isn't he taken now? Isn't he in a committed relationship with Scout's mum? <laughs> I don't know if it's clear that it's monogamous. Oh, I see, okay, yeah. She holds a special place in his heart. But he's a romantic. He is romantic, yeah, but he's also a creep. <laughs> There's a good chance that he finds the villain's mum and uh, seduces her and starts a serious relationship with her and thus gains access to a lot of control over the villain. Turns out he's the villain's dad. <laughs> this villain's got the world at ransom. we got to send in our best agent to seduce his mother. <laughs> <laughs> My petit He's French as well. That's not necessarily where we're going in the James Bond franchise. Could you... He speaks French. Okay, that's better. Wait, he can do an accent, right? All actors can do accents. Actually, yeah, when you've transferred formed into another character in TF2 you make the noises and voice lines of that character yes that is another skill of his he is a master of disguise and imitation Move that gear up, partner. <laughs> I don't even know what that was meant to be. <laughs> he has a couple of voice lines of him imitating other characters in Not That Great Away. <laughs> With the mechanics of TF2, from our side, if you're on Red Team and you're looking at the Red Spy, you only see the spy with like a really flimsy paper mask of an engineer or something. Yeah. Is that going to be the case when we're shooting this? Is it <laughs> going to be the case that sometimes the camera is on the MI5 team and thus sees the spy with a mask on? <laughs> yeah. And then sometimes, if it's like security camera footage, we're going to see the spy being just perfectly disguised. Oh, that's really fun. Yeah, that's actually a really useful film technique for keeping the audience aware of who's who. Because if you just have like, oh, this is one of them, the audience isn't going to know that that's actually the spy until the reveal. Sometimes you want to bring them along for the journey. So you can use those over-the-shoulder shots where you see the mask to keep the audience in on the plan. You also get to have a really good comedy beat. Because, you know, you, you do have some good comedy beats in Bond movies like where the entire scene is played out with the viewpoint of us seeing the mask but the person who's acting on the other team just goes along Actually, it's the first time you show the mask, I think. You're like, what's this? He's just wearing a mask. And then the entire scene plays out and no one picks up on him. (laughs) Everyone just thinks he's like on their side. And then it cuts to a shot later where you see what they see or whatever. Yeah, yeah. He puts on the mask of the villain. He's just like, clear the room, everyone. And everyone's like, yes, sir. There's also a fantastic scene where he's having a conversation with an enemy spy and you don't realise it because they play out in full costume gear. And then as they walk away from each other, it pans to like the audience's point of view and they're both just wearing a paper mask (laughs) oh you see like a cross section of the two rooms when they've stepped away from each other they pull their masks off and they fade into their two different spies even better if they're disguised as each other at the time (laughs) (laughs) there is one problem the spy might be too good at disguising and going in and infiltrating because in a Bond movie, there is sometimes infiltration. It normally is cut short for jeopardy and ends in fisticuffs with some goons. I think the spy is just too good at his job. I understand what you're saying, but I can think of two things that the enemy could have at their disposal that would make it an interesting movie. Hmm. One, an engineer with a bunch of sentry guns and he's using those to lure the spy into revealing himself because the spy cannot resist sapping a sentry. <laughs> yeah. And two, a pyro just running around with a flamethrower spraying it everywhere, <laughs> yep. all over his allies. And then occasionally he sprays the spy, it burns his mask off and he's revealed. Yes, except we do have to remove the name pyro and engineer and come up with like budget bin second versions yeah. to avoid stepping on TF2's shoes. So it's like yep, yep, yep. the mechanic and you want to make them like james bond names though right oh so they're like named henchmen it's not for avoiding legal reasons it's to make it kitschy enough for bond yeah i was thinking the allied goldfinger style names so maybe we got like hot cock for the pyro equivalent <laughs> yeah okay yeah blow fired <laughs> I don't know what the engineer would be. Uh, something about, like, grinding it or uh, nailing it. <laughs> We've got Jaws. He's just grinder. Yeah. <laughs> screw. Greasy screw. Mm. Screwdriver would work. Yeah, screwdriver. That's good. So who's the good person to put it opposite this bond? Is it the other spy? Absolutely. You don't know it until the end of the movie. Yes. Oh, so that scene where I talked about them walking away with the marks on, the audience sees that. That's, like, the last scene. No, you only see your spy, and then the spy gets unmasked, like, during a conversation or something. Ah. Uh, Ah, right. That lets you misdirect quite a lot. The villain spy has some idea that his nemesis is spy, so he's able to set up these traps without everyone having to know that outright. Yeah, hmm. but then you get that scene where the spy's done 
suitable infiltration and spots the evil villain, whoever he is, chatting with someone. And as they finish their conversation, they put a mask on and turn into the opponent that James Bond has been struggling with the whole time, like his yes. lead henchman. He's yeah. like, oh my word, he was another spy the whole time. But then they reveal that Spy Bond knew it all along because of the way the other guy opened his cigarette case or something. This is a real mystery mind meld film now. <laughs> it's like, how did you know that? Ah, when you smoked a cigarette earlier, you used your left hand to pull out a cigarette. You're the only left-handed henchman here. <laughs> the other nice thing about the spy is that he does have the gadgets that you want. He has a watch that turns him invisible. He has a variety of different weapons and technological things that he can switch between. So you've got the full placement there that you need. It is bold of you to bring a parody of James Bond to a who should be the next James Bond. <laughs> question <laughs> yeah you're right inspector gadget was too james bond <laughs> yeah. anyway yeah i think it would be funny without being or just a ridiculous parody i think we have made a ridiculous parody in some of the scenes <laughs> we've explained yes i think the spy is definitely a ridiculous parody but i'm on board for it okay what i mean is it's not slapstick um have you seen tf2 <laughs> we've got access to some other ridiculous parodies that we could bring in like i don't want to submit this but we could get austin powers and then you can just make the austin powers movie his Canon Bond movies. <laughs> Canonize Austin Powers. Before he got the double O rating. Aren't the Bond movies basically parodies of Bond movies anyway now though? <laughs> Definitely some of them. The more recent ones with the way they've taken them, not as much, but earlier ones for sure. Yeah, it's a lot more serious now. So to follow the trend of bringing along just an agent from another thing to be Bond, I'd like to present the James Bond equivalent from the Pokemon series, Inteleon. This is an actual Pokemon. <laughs> yes, it's an actual Pokemon, and it is the secret agent Pokemon. Okay. It's the full evolution of the water starter from Sword and Shield. Mm -hmm. It's suave. It basically looks like it's kind of in a tux in its design a little bit. It has a gun. Well, I'll get to the gun in a bit, actually. <laughs> it evolves from a Pokemon whose defining trait is just crying all the time. Yep, it evolves from Sobble, <laughs> and the middle one is basically an emo, the perfect progression. Sad thing, emo, bond. <laughs> I'm struggling to to find an image of their full evolutions someone's drawn what they think they'll be before stage two has been announced and they've just made them all buff men for some reason <laughs> i would go to bulbapedia but yeah going a bit more out there italian's got all the style because we've covered the infiltration and italian could do all that stuff i'm sure but we haven't talked about the other half of what you need in a bond movie it's when you get stylish and you go into the casino and you like talk to the villain and the villain knows that you're bad news for them and you know they're bad news for you but because you're in a public environment you can't like fight it out here and bond cleverly tricks them into losing a game of basically chance <laughs> I've just found the stars. Subble's evolution is called Drizzle, and yes. he's such an emo. <laughs> oh my word. Yep. Also, on the note of gadgets, when Inteleon goes into its Gigantamax form, its tail turns into a tower, but more importantly, it makes a sniper rifle out of water. And this shows that all sorts of different cool gadgets could effectively be created on the fly out of its ability to control water. Now, is the rifle itself water, or does it just shoot water? It's a gun made of water that shoots water. I find it funny that it has to make this giant tower out of its tail and so in the middle of a James Bond film the shootout happens and just a giant tower appears yep. as it goes into Gigantamax form. What is the mechanism of Gigantamax form? Um, in Sword and Shield there are like locations where there's enough energy for them to do this but obviously if we're doing this the villain's lair is going to be on one of these locations. Yeah obviously. Yeah you didn't need to say that. <laughs> also we've done Bond to the moon. We've done like some random desert stuff. We've gone into all sorts of other places. We've been in a jungle or whatever However, how about Deep Sea Bond? Ooh. I'm pretty sure they've had underwater bases before, but like this time the focus is on like marine operations, cool submarine gadgets, and Inteleon can like sneak onto the side of the bad guy's submarine and like sneak in and take the opponents out as you work towards the control room. It could be a nuclear sub. It could be about nuclear codes. There we go. Oh, that would work. I was thinking like, how do we crowbar Atlantis into a James Bond title? Hell yeah! Atlantis would be way better than a nuclear sub. Oh, that's the post credit scene. <laughs> nuclear sub would be more in keeping for the modern Bond. Atlantis would be, I think, possible for the older Bond. It's more Indiana Jones, though. Yeah. Okay, it's not the real Atlantis. It's a villain is obsessed with the idea of Atlantis and decides to build their base as a representation of it. Ah, oh, now that's cool. It's basically Rapture. So I have a few comments. Mm -hmm. 
Firstly, I'd like to congratulate Pokemon Company and Game Freak in making this official art that looks like a chameleon that fucks. <laughs> that was going to be my last point. I couldn't have explained it any better in that few words. <laughs> so Pokemon is traditionally seen as a children's franchise. Yep. How do you think that James Bond will appeal to children? And do you think that we need to cut any elements of James Bond that might not work? So modern James Bond can be quite gritty, you know, gritty reboot era. But a lot of the earlier parts of the series had a lot more like silliness, whimsy, like all of the tropes of James Bond are from an era, like I said, like he went to the moon, the gadgets were more nonsense, all this other stuff. Yeah, they're more tongue in cheek and lighthearted. Yeah, we can use Intellion as a way of getting back to that. Like, I grew up with the Bond movies as a kid and enjoyed them. The modern ones, they're probably still fun action flicks, but like they're in a very different place at the moment. Yeah. And I think Intellion could help us go back to the roots of the series. Oh, one important note, you are going to have to hire a voice actor because Intellion can't say anything other than Intellion, obviously. <laughs> oh, yeah. But there's lots of really good voice actors out there and they could bring a smarmy, kind of cocky Bond who's like knows he's good at everything. And I was going to bring up the final point where you've said Intellion can get it on and that's important to Bond <laughs> as a whole. Actually, a lot of the discussions around Bond are on that topic. Well, the kids are into some freaky stuff these days, so it's going to work out. <laughs> yeah, and like Intellion, Yes, I'm sorry, Eddie, but I'm not sure about Inspector Gadget. I'm going even more kid-friendly. <laughs> yeah. Go, go, Gadget Penis. <laughs> oh, no. If a Pokemon is your Bond, I don't know if you do need a translator, because presumably a lot of the other characters would be Pokemon, and you can have them communicate to each other. You can either have them voice acted or subtitled. Oh, I get, yeah, they can talk. I think we need neither. We'll take the challenge. And we still get the TF2 spy reveal with Ditto. <laughs> either the Ditto is the villain, in a similar way to the spy being the villain or because we all know that ditto is the best pokemon to pair your pokemon up with at the care day care day care center at the k day center yeah uh ditto is the bond girl oh. ah mm, jinx or no no it's probably gardevoir <laughs> to appeal to that section of the... low punny oh well, okay that's one of them as well yeah yeah there's a plethora of bond girls in pokemon at times <laughs> yes hey some movies have more than one bond girl and Ditto could be all of them. <laughs> the thing with Ditto as well, if you want to make it more of a kid's film, you can have the film be about a Ditto who loves the Bond movies and therefore disguises as an Intellion. Oh, that's actually really good. And then becomes an agent. That's pretty good. But then there are a few points where it doubts its ability and is like told that it's going to fail or whatever and it has to get over that as a self-confidence storyline. And that's when the disguise fails and it has to have the fisticuffs with the henchman <laughs> as a Ditto, not as an Intellion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think we can go back to the roots of the series more fun less grit we don't have bond be thought dead multiple times across one actor's time and he has to like get drunk in a bar and be brought back in <laughs> this bond loving it having fun jokes they're confident they're bold and that's what bond needs to get back to this is a much better answer than I first gave it credit for. Mm. The Pokemon was stupid answer. Actually, he's got some points. <laughs> got some points. Yeah. The downside is if it's a Pokemon trying to infiltrate a group of people in the Pokemon world, they just throw like a Pokeball at him and he's like, stuck. He's captured. <laughs> uh, no, so Emma has his Pokeball, but he prefers to live outside of it. And so he's not catchable because he's already owned by a trainer. Yeah. No, it's the bad guys. They're going to have a device that lets them catch other people's Pokemon. When Team Rocket do that, it's in a, like, net. It's not in a, <laughs> another Pokeball. In Pokemon Stadium XD Scale of Darkness or whatever, oh that's word. the main plot. I do know the game you're talking about, oddly. The bad guys have a device that lets you capture and shadowify Pokemon. Yeah. However, this does give you a really nice narrative option as to when Intellion's time as Bond is up. Mm. He gets captured in a Pokeball and the next James Bond has to rescue him. Yeah, it can be the culmination of the series. See, I don't think it's his time is up. I think he he gets captured in a Pokeball as part of the show and that Pokeball has a bunch of traps inside it like a laser that's going to cut him in half and so that's just the <laughs> you've been captured Bond scene. Ah, that works too. Or you have the Goldfinger table with the laser except there's just the Pokeball sitting on it and the laser's just moving <laughs> towards the Pokeball. It's like two metres away and it's like yeah. I should have started this halfway up the table rather than where his feet would have been. In fact, being a Ditto gets him out of that laser because he's like we're going to cut you in half in Tellion and then Ditto just like... Psh, 
scoops around it and is like, cool, I'm out. <laughs> oh, Ditto's a ball of pink goo. Kirby is as well, and he can, like, steal people's identities and have a car in his mouth. He's another Pokemon, right? Car in his mouth? What? <laughs> yeah, in the new Kirby games, he just, like, shops up vehicles and full-size objects and can't fully close his mouth around them. Oh, you've told me about this. Mouthful mode and Aston Martin. Mouthful mode. I need to look this up because I've only heard you talk about it. I don't know if Aston Martin would be very pleased with their brand image. It depends on whether they like Vor. <laughs> oh my word. This is the worst thing I've ever seen. <laughs> this episode is sponsored by food, because you got to eat. Welcome back to the Fad Zone. That's fake ad zone, though if this podcast did become a fad, it wouldn't be the worst thing. Right, anyway, another reminder to ignore the first result on Google when you search Win Stupid Prizes Podcast. Turns out that episode which you should ignore came out just after episode 3 of this podcast, hence this awkward situation. Okay, I enjoyed spotlighting one thing last time, so let's do that again. Every Monday, we stream a mystery game in our Mystery Monday series. Well, it isn't always a mystery game, but that's the theme we're running at the moment. At time of release, we're currently playing The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time, which isn't strictly a mystery game, but does have some intrigue to it. It does, however, solve the mystery of how have I never played a Zelda game before? There might not be a direct answer to that, but the question will be resolved. We stream every Monday on Twitch, starting at 8pm GMT. Our channel name is Hexagorgon Live, no spaces, or the URL hexagorgon.stream will take you straight there. And now the episode will be back. Wait, that's not the right franchise. Instead of having a car in your mouth, what if <laughs> James Bond was a car? Ka-chow! <laughs> Ka-chow! Ka queen! <laughs> no, I was thinking of picking a Transformer as James Bond. I haven't decided which Transformer, because I don't know enough about them. There must be one that can transform into car branding deal of choice. Uh, normally it's a Porsche. Transformers did have specifically a Porsche in their lineup. Hmm. Uh, that was the cartoon. In the movies, they're all real world cars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that branding deal wrote itself effectively. Exactly, yeah. It did. Like was Bumblebee like a Camaro or something? Something like that. And Bumblebee is classically a Volkswagen. So we got that deal with Volkswagen locked in if we want it. Mm. What's Starscream? Starscream jet. Starscream's going to be a villain, surely. <laughs> I do. I have an important question. Isn't there a Transformer that is a gun? Yeah, there is. <laughs> oh, this, is, this is the important point. Oh, yeah? Are you comics Transformers or movie Transformers? Because comics Transformers, oh, sorry, cartoon Transformers, I should say, can change size when they transform, and the movie ones can't. Ooh. Oh, I see. So if you want to transform into a person-sized agent that transforms into a car, but can also, because sometimes they have multiple transformations, turn into a gadget, you probably have to be in the cartoon universe, because that's where the gun transformer Ooh. comes from. It's Megatron. The main villain of the Transformers cartoon is a gun. turns into a gun that his second-in-command shoots. That's so good. <laughs> that is the best villain plan I have ever heard. Oh, his treacherous second in command. <laughs> oh, great. Has a gun now as well. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> I really liked the image of, I'm just going to use Optimus Prime as an example because he's the one I know the most about. This truck rolling around, solving crimes, doing some espionage, and then the villains, the henchmen are like, this truck's being a bit suspicious. Something <laughs> funny's going on here. Let's capture this truck. And it just transforms into a giant robot man and starts beating them up. <laughs> yeah, just a huge guy just rolls on up and starts walking through your compound. Yeah, exactly, right? The second the espionage fails and they're suspicious of this truck, it just becomes a giant robot man. And how do you stop that? Now, the downside is, while you want to be sneaky and finding information, you can only go down corridors a truck would fit through. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, yes, Bond, this requires a level of covert operations. And so you've got the two henchmen guarding a corridor. They look... There's nothing there. They looked away, and then the camera then sees. Then they hear beep, beep. beep. <laughs> <laughs> camera sees the truck drive really slowly behind them. Yeah, I mean, we would have to rewrite the films a little bit to be things that a truck could solve. <laughs> Problems that we need to send a truck into. You have the cartoons as a way of dodging the problem very easily with size changing. The thing with the Transformers is that their theme tune absolutely shreds. Yes. And I don't know if that's the kind of theme tune that James Bond can handle. James Bond's had a couple of good theme tunes. There are some really good movie themes to Bond, but they don't shred. Okay. Yeah, the Transformers, the movie, which is the cartoon one, the theme for that just rocks. If we're really lucky, Editing Eddie will put in about a second of that theme right now so that everyone knows what we're talking about. 
because a second's probably about the legal limit. <laughs> also, that movie does have You've Got the Touch, You've Got the Power, which is also fun. Yeah. Like, that's the kind of music they put in Transformers properties. Now, Bond themes do vary a lot. They do. There are some that are way more rock and roll, some that are really jazz and swing. Best Bond theme, of course, is the one from Metal Gear Solid. <laughs> oh, Snake Eater. <laughs> yep. Yes. Ah. <laughs> the number one Bond theme. <laughs> I have not played that game. I have listened to that song. Yeah, same. I've still got Mouthful Kirby up on my screen. I need to close it. <laughs> I hate it so much. <laughs> Imagine if you're in that car. Oh my god. And then it just turns into a man. <laughs> now, you quite like the idea of the truck one. It is a funny image. I do have a different Transformer to pitch to you, Eddie, to pick as your Transformer. Love it. One of the villains is basically a tape recorder box radio thing. Ah, okay. This is important because if you want to go down the gadget line, each of the different tapes can transform into, like, one of them's a bird, one of them's a big cat, one of them's got punch arms. So rather than a set of gadgets, you have the tape deck open and one of the tapes pops out and it transforms into whatever Bond needs in the situation. Oh, wow. That's Soundwave. Is that my Q equivalent then? Yeah, okay. Soundwave's the Q equivalent. He is one of the villains, but obviously when you're bringing them to the they have to put aside their differences and Autobots and Decepticons have to work together. Absolutely. My problem is entirely that, that James Bond is obviously such a morally upheld and well-respected individual. And I don't know if we could possibly have James Bond doing anything morally wrong. Or like shooting guys. <laughs> yeah, or like lying to people. Or being a spy. Seducing people or being a spy, you know. <laughs> yeah, tricking people into bed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Nothing like that. Nothing untoward has ever happened. Well, don't worry. Optimus Prime is the most morally upstanding character ever. There we go. Yeah. And Optimus Prime fucks. Oh, almost certainly. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's canon. He has a love interest. Her name is RC. RC, like remote control. A-R-C-E, I believe. Oh, okay. A-R-S-E-Y. Arsie. Lovely. <laughs> she turns into a motorbike. My last pitch for which Transformers should be James Bond is the big planet. Oh, uh, Unicron. Unicron, that's it. Unicorn. A unicorn, I'm in. <laughs> I have opened the Transformers wiki mm-hmm. to obviously the page called Transformer Romance. Yep. And under the section sex, the hints are far and few between. But Transformers is not devoid of the possibility <laughs> Transformers might engage in sexual activities. They're not built. Open brackets for recreational purposes, comma, usually. <laughs> like, they are an alien race. They're not machines. They're aliens. I would like to read the last paragraph as well, if we could. Oh, please. And that's about as far as we're going to broach the subject. If you really want to know more about the matter of Transformer sex, an exciting world of fan fiction awaits you. <laughs> that's good advice. Yeah. Good advice. Thank you. What a great line. We don't recommend anything, but, you know, you do what you do. <laughs> if you want to know more, go to what is strictly a non-canon source. Yes. That's because the canon never touches it, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, but like... The canon is like, we are trying to sell these robot toys to kids. If you want to know more, you can go think about it in your own way. Exactly. If you want to know more, make it up. <laughs> now for our completely not fan fiction podcast exercise on how to replace James Bond. Yeah. <laughs> Man, just a big old truck rolling down like ancient castle walls and stuff. Oh, yeah. That's where villains have their lairs. Yeah. I want to see him repel. <laughs> Like down the side of the, the villain's base. <laughs> a truck descending down. That would be pretty good. Oh. They've got a tow cable attached to this bag of him, and he just drives down the side of the villain's base. <laughs> you know the classic scene where they have like a little grappling hook, they spin it around the hand, chuck it up, it latches onto the top of the building. Yeah. And then they <laughs> rappel up, and then just a truck just <laughs> coasting up a building. Driving up a vertical surface. And he does it effortlessly until he reaches the top and then has to figure out how to actually melt become a man I could just do it as a humanoid I guess I mean then why would he do it as a truck in the first place come on you're right it wouldn't be as stealthy if he wasn't a truck <laughs> <laughs> they don't know that he's the truck exactly. if you see a truck driving up the side of your castle are you gonna think oh there's a giant man how did that truck get there <laughs> yeah you're gonna be like oh that's weird a truck <laughs> yeah. there's an important fact about cartoon Optus Prime I should bring up you know how he's a truck that would have a trailer yeah he can summon it from off screen when he needs to out of nowhere and it has stuff in it which is where you could have the gadgets that's excellent sometimes when he transforms he does the transformation folds down into the truck and then for off screen the trailer just comes in and latches up that's excellent doesn't matter where he is and if you're making a movie you need a trailer so that's two for one yeah hey. <laughs> for the record Alex just dabbed <laughs> I think the excellent combo here is just to have most of his gadgets be transformers but you don't find out until like that climactic 
moment in the movie, like the final fight, Optimus Prime's losing, he's like, my gun is halfway across the room, how can I possibly get it? And the gun just becomes a full man. <laughs> oh yeah, he's been captured, all of his gadgets have been taken off him and like put on a table nearby. Exactly. And then they just all transform up. You think I'd come here alone? And the villain's like, what? <laughs> and then a bunch of robots just turn up out of his gadgets. And then he just stands on Blofeld. Ah. <laughs> I just realised how flat the villain is going to be because he's just a big robot man. <laughs> well, Optimus Prime can't kill anyone. Oh, good point. Except he does. He has a gun. Optimus Prime is not Batman. No, but because the gun is also a robot, the, the gun robot is the person doing the killing. The gun robot is his nemesis. They gotta put aside their differences. The villain <laughs> drives a car or has like a nuclear sub or whatever, and that turns out to be a bad Transformer that's giving him all the ideas and trying to use the villain. Oh, that's good, yeah. Oh man, we can extend this film further and have the gun Transformer be the bad guy for a while, and then they realise that he's being duped by the real villain, and so halfway through the film, we have a coming together of the two sides oh and a whole thing where and nobody knows who's really on whose side for a while yeah we're just doing the spy scene again from bears the spy pit <laughs> trying not to <laughs> look i want that scene in whatever our movie ends up to be <laughs> just combine all the ideas we'll have inspector gadget driving a transform <laughs> with a bandolier of pokeballs the mask <laughs> okay so you mentioned a transforming creature that was excellent at scaling ancient castle walls yes and i have another guy who can do all of that stuff. Not as well, I assume. Spider-Man. <laughs> it's Kirby. <laughs> and that's Dracula. Dracula. Famous for crawling up walls like a lizard, <laughs> having ancient powers. He can transform into bats, into wolves, into mist, into glitter. He's also known for being able to be suave. Like, yeah. Dracula's really yeah. good yeah. for the going and have the casino thing or the meeting the Bond girl scene. Like, Dracula's just got that down pat. He's always got an idea and he's always got a plan and he loves making veiled references to it, which is perfect for a movie. Not so good for like actually in the situation, but for the movie it's great. <laughs> in terms of Dracula is James Bond, I wouldn't say that Dracula is the most patriotic Brit imaginable. He's a good actor though. <laughs> Optimus Prime is. <laughs> um, well, so Dracula famously moved to England because Dracula's very careful about what he eats and he saw the English as sophisticated and clever. So that's the whole point in the Dracula books that he's moving to England. He gets an abbey in London and he wants to be there. Yeah, most of the original Dracula book is set in like Whitby or something. Wow. Oh, okay. Yeah, the settings are like Transylvania and Northeast England. To be fair, Transylvania's only not a very obscure place because of Dracula. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. I've worked it out. Yeah. The reason that all the Bonds have such a limited lifespan is because as they get a little bit older and lose their edge, MI6 feeds them to Dracula <laughs> with the plan of eventually having Dracula eaten enough Bonds that he becomes the super Bond. Ah. Or, or you can just say that it was Dracula all along. Maybe. But not only does he eat all the agents and get the strength, he also gets their love of the queen. <laughs> Drink enough Englishman's blood and you'll love the queen eventually. <laughs> Little tip for you Americans out there. Your mission, Bond, is to vampirise the queen so she can live forever. <laughs> That's why I'm not a monarchist. I haven't drunk enough English blood. <laughs> I like the idea that you set up the film so that there's mirrors in loads of places so whenever, like, goons or henchmen are looking for James Bond they'll like look in the mirror and be like the room's empty turn around and there he is boff yeah that's so good how did he sneak up on us oh that would be really fun <laughs> and he's got a lot of other powers as well because he can like mesmerise he has some form of like limited telepathy and sort of reading minds okay. he's real strong you've got an issue though what could that possibly be I think this is a character with no weakness <laughs> well we talked about the need for cars and so on as a way of getting brand recognition into the movie I'm pretty sure he travels an awful lot via bat and or wolf and or swarm of bats and cars become a lot less necessary. It's true. He doesn't prefer to travel like that. He is a little bit old fashioned but I think eventually you know having eaten enough bonds he'd have a love of Aston Martins. You know he's got a driver and he's got a coffin in there. A sun visor. And it's all blacked out <laughs> so he can just go chill in there while he travels. Yeah he travels during the day. And then he gets to the villain's lair and the villain's like aha bond I have a river of running water between me and you. You cannot get to me. And then the movie's over. <laughs> I mean, the fact that the character has weaknesses is what makes there be a movie. He has to overcome the running water. 
really weird tangent, but I've realised that Dracula is the perfect person to sit in the middle of the back seat because your rear mirror won't be affected. (laughs) 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 Dracula always in the bitch seat. (laughs) Also, then you don't get the sun on you. It works both ways. Oh, that's true. It's benefit for him as well. (laughs) You're saying that Dracula can't get past this running water, but I think you've got a bigger problem. Hmm. Dracula can't get into the secret base without an invite. <laughs> Does this mean that there will be a like other secret agent that has to infiltrate first in order to legally invite Bond in? That's so good. I mean, I like the bit of the movie where Bond has to engineer a way in. Bondula. Bondula? Yeah, he has to social engineer a way in. He has to pretend to be someone and they say, oh, come in. Or he just knocks on, on like a door and they're like, come in. And he's like, aha, you fool. Some of the most interesting times in Bond movies are when Bond and the villain actually get to talk. Like, you get the villain monologue, Bond gets to tell them they're bad or wrong, whatever. And having to social engineer his way into the base allows for a rapport to build between Bond and the villain before he's actually doing the secret agent stuff. I like the scene as well where you have the villain who's worked out that it's Dracula, they've got a bunch of defences in place, and they're just at the scene where they're in their final chamber, and Dracula's like, yo, you better let me in, or I'll have you a bad time you're gonna speak perfect english but it's more fun to do this voice (laughs) and then they get to have a conversation with like dracula stuck on the other side of the door and the villain's like gloating and explaining their plan and then he shoots him and then yes then dracula pulls out a gun and shoots him i was gonna say he just goes look take a seat and he's like that's technically an invitation (laughs) or the other thing is dracula has already actually established an invitation in so this is just for show and to make them explain their plan and then just steps over the threshold yeah, you'll never stop me. And a Dracula just opens the door and comes in. <laughs> I already have. <laughs> Some good twists. Yeah. Called him Bondula. <laughs> yes, the name's Bondula. James Bondula. <laughs> the other thing that I like, you know that Bond wants to get like grittier and edgier. I mean, he's already done that, but yeah. It continues to want to go that way. Having Dracula as Bond is a chance to have a bad guy forced to do the right thing. Ah, he's yeah. in this mission. It's the right thing to do, but he is a bad guy and he's going to do some real mean things to get his victory. Yeah, I wouldn't call Bond a bad guy generally. Look, what's grittier than action films? horror films. Oh yeah, you up the rating and you just let there be gore when he bites someone. Done. (laughs) (laughs) As he progresses through the movies, the villain's tech gets technically worse because they have to work out how to get stakes into guns and things like this like they're just firing crossbows with like wooden stakes on the end of them or garlic guns and things crucifixes everywhere just water pistols (laughs) suddenly a lot of the villain's budget is into silver yeah Yeah. exactly that sort of thing and there's actually a built-in bond girl that comes with dracula in the original plot there's a character in england who he turns into a vampire and a second one who he tries to turn into a vampire who helps defeat him in the end and that allows you to have the Bond girl who turns out to be a villain and the Bond girl who turns out to be on Dracula's side. But we flipped it because the villain one from the book is on Dracula's side because they've been vamped. And the one who helps beat Dracula in the book, which is Mina, is on the villain's side. Ah, I see. You could have Mina being like the mastermind behind we're going to use Dracula in this way. Oh, Mina's M. I see. Yeah. The name even fits. There you go. And Dracula has seven. Hang on. Dracula does have seven letters in it. I'm a genius. Accidental genius. <laughs> double O D R A C U L A. The double O is for blood type. Hey, I have two people's worth of blood in me. Ah, ah, ah. back on the Sesame Street count every day. The best iteration of Dracula. Yes. Double O one. Ah, ah, ah. Double O two. Uh, uh, uh. takes a while for him to reveal his double O code but yeah I think all in all Dracula likes to be a bit playful and subtle so the fact that he's got all of these powers doesn't just ruin the movie and that he has some very clear specific weaknesses that you can set up a lot of different situations with I want to see Dracula in a tux in a casino playing like Baccarat or whatever it's called against (laughs) that's just a cool scene yeah it's just a cool scene (laughs) whether or not it's in a James Bond film someone make this movie (laughs) 
<laughs> and pay us for it. <laughs> Agent Dracula, the new multi-villain franchise for Hollywood. I think the key is just not to dull Dracula's edge. Don't make him a goofy family character. Let him be himself in these weird situations. Make him brutal. <laughs> like drops down from the ceiling on a henchman, just bites the guy. Done. Do you even need a gun? I don't know. <laughs> right, I'm going to take us from one extreme gothic horror set in old England right to the other end. I'm going to take us into the future of the human race to pull out an ideal candidate for Bond. <laughs> you go into the future, you just look at the Bond films they made in the future, you're like, cool, that's going to be the Bond we make. I'm pulling out the Bond from the next Bond movie. <laughs> now, there is... In the future, an agent, or should I say a spectre, working on the side of the human race. You might know them as Commander Shepard. Okay. Commander Shepard. The suite of things that they've done in the name of protecting not just humans, just galactic civilization as a whole, is broad. They've had all sorts of adventures with very different tones, I would admit, across multiple different entries in the series. <laughs> you could say that. <laughs> now, I specifically want to bring in the version that is colloquially known as Femshep, mostly because I want Jennifer Hale to be voicing the character. And also, you know the casino scene I keep bringing up? Either Femshep in a tux or like a really cool dress that you can also fight in. The thing about that casino scene, you're going to need to record two versions of it, depending on whether the uh, audience decides to punch the dealer in the face in the middle of the count. <laughs> well, I'm very specifically going to pull from my version of Shepard, who took every interrupt possible, both Renegade <laughs> and Paragon, because they wanted to get the deal done as quickly as possible. Because the game said, press a button with limited time. Yeah. <laughs> They've been stealth missions, especially in the Kasumi DLC of Mass Effect 2, where you have to infiltrate a highfalutin party, but also do spy stuff. That's cool. Also, good with guns and weapons and gadgets. Yeah, yeah. All of these things line up with Bond ideally. And one of the major things you can do in Mass Effect is romance the companions selection yeah, yeah. doesn't matter who we've got as your bond girl or bond boy or whatever it can be a blue alien yeah. and Shepard can have that part of the story working there's everything you need in a bond character here in Shepard you even have a villain if you really want who would make a great bond opponent in Nihilus from the first Mass Effect game so you're bringing in all the aliens and stuff this isn't Femshep in a bond setting this is a bond style movie in I considered bringing the aliens in but I think we bring Femshep in to be bond and we also hire Nihilus to be the villain Okay. So is Nihilus dressed up as a human? No. That'd be absurd. <laughs> so we've got Tyrians. You've got Tyrians. I mean, obviously you've got Garrus. It's a package deal. Oh yeah, Garrus is there. Oh, we've got a Q? Modern? Yeah, modern, yeah. If you're taking Mass Effect villains, can you please have an Elcor villain? <laughs> the monologue would be so good. You do make a good point. Like a whole film just for the villain's monologue. <laughs> <laughs> Admittedly, if we do bring in the aliens everything, that is stepping outside of the normal scope of Bond if you don't necessarily want to go there. However, we have been to the moon with Bond, and I also think, even if you don't want to bring in all the other stuff, I actually think Femshep would fit as a good Bond in a normal Bond movie. I mean, it's about time that James Bond became Doctor Who. <laughs> My favourite thing about Nihilus as a villain is that he is given exactly the same space cop privileges as Shepard is. Yes. And when declared as a criminal and told to brought to justice, they're like, well, fuck, what do we do? I guess we just send Shepard at him and hope for the best because we really fucked it up with giving these super space cops great emergency powers. <laughs> yeah. And that seems to be exactly what James Bond does with rogue agents. Yeah, pretty much. Everyone likes Goldeneye, where you've got Sean Bean being 006 and having a villain turn. Oh, spoilers. <laughs> People loved that part, and we haven't had that in a while. Sean Bourne. Seen Bean or Sean Bourne, you can't have it both ways. <laughs> yeah. And you can even have a second film where Shepard, for some reason, just says, yes, I will join this terrorist agency. Dismantle it from the inside or something you know because i don't think my government is doing anything to solve the real problems in the galaxy well it's also because the terrorist agency resurrects you that kind of helps p.s alex has opinions about mass effect <laughs> i have many opinions of mass effect too uh, this wasn't me playing to the judge i will admit <laughs> i mean i think this is the single hardest play to the judge i think we've seen yes. on wins super prizes so far and it was entirely <laughs> unintentional oh yeah likely story <laughs> also we've talked about brand deals and branding for quite a bit throughout the series and this enter brand name here is my favourite on the Citadel. Yes. 
I'm Commander <laughs> Shepard, and this is my favorite Aston Martin in England. Yeah. <laughs> the downside is, yes, that works for the first brand deal, but for every other possible brand deal, you say yes, and you accidentally put the same message in for all of them, and they're all saying that this brand is exclusively your favorite. So. Well, it's your favorite within that category, like the favorite car or the favorite watch. Like you. No, hit- no, no. That is not what Shep does. Shep <laughs> says to multiple stores, "I'm Commander Shepard, and this is my favorite store on the Citadel." Yeah. <laughs> It's a 15% discount. <laughs> I'm Commander Shepard and Casio is my favourite watch. And Rolex is my favourite watch. Yes, and exactly. Omega <laughs> is my favourite watch. <laughs> There's just a scene in the middle of the movie when Q is giving Shep all of their gadgets. They just stop and say, I'm Commander Shepard and this is my favourite gadget you've shown me because of the brand. And for every single one, you just have like an allocated branding half hour as part of the Yeah, movie. that's how you fund the movie. Easy. <laughs> it works once. I think once the brand reps see the movie. <laughs> oh no, they'll love it. It's a meme. People love memes these days. Yeah, people do love the memes. Yeah. I don't see anything wrong with this. Apart from possibly the war crimes, but you know. <laughs> and James Bond has never committed any war crimes. James Bond has never committed any war crimes. The only drawback is the war crimes. <laughs> I mean, Shepard probably hasn't done too many war crimes as long as you follow the good route. Mm-hmm. The Paragon route is the war crimes free route. Well, war crimes light route. <laughs> okay. But James Bond never commits any war crimes or breaks any international law regarding no. like the treatment of prisoners slash anything else taken from other countries. No, name any or of them. international jurisdictions of Yeah, no no no. Bond never, never breaks any of those. Yeah. He's got his double O license. What's the problem? Yeah, that's how they work. He's got a license to kill, which means he can kill whoever he wants. <laughs> <laughs> it's also a license to ignore laws, clearly. <laughs> Wait a second, it even lines up better because it's the end. 7 isn't it? Oh my gosh, 00N7. I refuse to believe that's a coincidence. Oh yeah, that's probably a point. Also, the Spectre classification is pretty analogous to double O agents where they're kind of allowed to go out and do what they need to, in inverted commas, to get the job done. How do you think about branding instead of N7, N07? And then we can be a beauty brand as well. <laughs> oh yeah, good point. Yeah, yeah, number seven. Yeah. Commander Shepard, more like Commander Sellout, am I right? Ideal. Like a large <laughs> portion of the funding for Bond movies comes from brand deals. Exactly. And you're right. You could have a Rolex or Casio or Omega or whatever branded Omnitool. There could be an Omega branded Omega, as in the club. <laughs> but that it doesn't make any sense. My things are the closest thing to a watch because it's on your arm. Yes. The only other thing is the Azari that fucks Shepard to death, and that's how Shepard dies. That's how James Bond goes out. Yeah. <laughs> that's how Bond would love to go out. Oh, uh, yeah. Bond's like, yeah, I'll survive this. <laughs> this is one of my three main superpowers <laughs> as a man who has no superpowers. Or a woman, if you use Them Shep. <laughs> yeah. Them Shep. Them Shep. That's good. That's good branding. <laughs> Not binary Shepard. Next Mass Effect game, please, by the way. Anyway, I am going to deliberate on your answers. And I have, due to the magic of editing. Oh, wow. I've really enjoyed your answers, and I'd like to thank you very much for your participation in this exercise. I think we're going to have to go right back to the start. It was such a strong contender from Inspector Gadget. But I think... (laughs) Penny being Miss Money Penny really pushed it over the line for me. That was the straw that won the camel the race. <laughs> Isn't Miss Money Penny meant to have like a huge crush on Bond? Don't worry about it. We'll make it work. We can change that. Not everything has to be exactly the same. There'd be multiple Money Pennies. It can just be a different character. Yeah. We'll age up Penny. No. No, we will not. <laughs> okay. We'll just rewrite the role. Age up Penny and they're like barely related. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're not touching that one. <laughs> <laughs> Quick, move away from this conversation before they take the prize away from me. <laughs> so congratulations, Eddie. You've won. Yes. We've been talking about Agents of Bond for so long that I think you'll really like your prize, huh? which of course is some bonding agent. <laughs> congratulations, you've won a tub of resin. Fantastic. And it all comes together. Hey. Ah, <laughs> oh, sorry guys that my first answer was just too strong. <laughs> Should have just ended the episode there. Should have, we could have apparently. Yep, could have just ended it there. Thanks for listening. If you want to keep up to date with everything we do, your best bet is to follow us on social media. We're at Hexagorgon on Twitter, and we're Hexagorgon FB, no spaces, on Facebook. And if you'd like to support us financially, you could either donate to our Ko-Fi, which is Hexagorgon, or subscribe to us on Twitch if that's more your speed, which is Hexagorgon Live. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. Well, you'll, you'll see us. Well, not see exactly. Ah, you get the idea. Let me retake that, sorry. 
Bond is pretty cool, but Drax cooler. Boo. <laughs>